Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM, let's create. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Good Calls with Dean Blandino, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, what's up? Dean Blandino. Welcome to another episode of Good Calls. As always, joined by Travis Hansen and Joe Madrid. Quick, quick introductions. No pleasantries. Let's get right to it. No All pleasantries. Right. All no right. Pleasantries. You know who does that? That's who's the producer that always does that? The Big Ten. When we uh we check Bart in Fox. With Bart, Bart Fox. Fox is whenever his name. we check in yeah. with um with the talent, which is Matt Millen and who's Kevin Kugler. Kevin Kugler. Yeah. When we check in with Matt and Kevin, and I I know Matt Millen going back years from when he was with the NFL with the Lions and the NFL competition committee. We always like to check in and Bart's like, okay, all right, enough with the pleasantries. So let's <laughs> And go. I never know if he's serious or not either. He's, I mean, he's not doing it in a mean way, but I think he's kind of, I think it's become like a thing now. Right. And, uh, but let's go, let's get right into it. Um, let's talk a little, let's talk a little NFL. Obviously this was, this was big news. Um, the, the proposed changes and uh, additions, I guess, to the Rooney rule, we talk about minority hiring in the NFL. And, and so, um, you know, this, this is a significant, the potential for this, the NFL proposals that will be put forth to membership and voted on, um, a lot of discussion around minority hiring. You, you think about the, the, the minority head coaches in the NFL, there are only four. Um, who are the four, right? Mike Tomlin, Brian Flores, Anthony Lynn, and Ron Rivera. You think about GMs in the NFL, only two minority GMs, Andrew Berry with, with Cleveland and Chris Greer with, with Miami. So obviously, um, when you talk about those numbers, not, not very good. The NFL has not done a great job in this area. Never had a, never had a, a, a black team president. Um, and, and I think this is something that, you know, my former colleague, Troy Vincent at the NFL, has. this is a big, big thing for him. And I know he's been working tirelessly on this. And, and so I'm interested in what you guys think, because I've read so much about this and I get it. I get what the NFL is trying to do. But when you start when you start incentivizing teams um, to make minority hirings with draft positions, right? you're talking about moving up. 
if you hire a minority head coach or a, mi a minority GM, you're moving up draft positions in the third round. Yeah, it was something like three picks for a head coach and 10 picks for a GM. Six, I think, for a yeah. head coach, 10 okay. for a GM. Um, compensatory fourth round picks if you lose – um, if you lose a, a minority in terms of uh, to another team. So, so I've heard mixed reactions and, and the one reaction that, that kind of, that kind of resonated with me, there were two that jumped out. I don't know if you saw, um, if you saw Anthony Lynn's comments, um, you know, Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the chargers, who's, who is like we mentioned, one of the minority head coaches, you know, he said, sometimes um, you can do the wrong, wrong thing when you're trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. and, and I, and I think that was that, that kind of hit me. And then, and then Lewis Riddick, Lewis Riddick from, from ESPN, who, who has worked in front office before, who was interviewed recently for GM, GM positions and hasn't been able to secure a position. And he was even more outspoken. And he said it was, it was actually, um, you know, it was demeaning in a way, it was insulting in a way to an African-American candidate to say that it, I was no longer being considered on my own merits. I was being considered because of the potential rewards. And and it's kind of, you know, this is a tough spot. It's a tough thing. What what do you guys just, what, at first glance, what do you think, um, you know, about this? I, I have to think that these guys being like, you know, head coaches and athletes and, you know, former athletes, and now going into coaching, like you don't want to, to feel like you're getting something and getting something extra because of who you are. Like, oh, okay, well, you get to shoot your free throws a little bit closer than, than you, than these other guys. You get to shoot your, your shots a little bit closer. Like, you don't want how that. Long you want... You working on, how long were you working on that analogy, Travis? I actually just came up with it now. I didn't know you, you were going to bring you this question. You were thinking about the free throw analogy. You were like, mm, what, could be, what could be a good way? you know, to, to, to elaborate on this. The I'm free, just trying like to dumb it, it down. So Joe will understand. That's all. Yeah, well, that's, I, that's I know you'll point. get it. We dude. definitely do need to, we do. <laughs> you know, okay, I always shoot my do. free throws behind. Yeah, so, like, so from like back. you don't, these guys, <laughs> I, I, did you hear Joe? I can't even hear him. Is this mic cut now? Is well, you insulted on? him. You, you oh. insulted him in the middle of your bad analogy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you just have to think that these guys don't want to have to feel like they're getting, you know, something out of the deal because of that and it, to me it's it's like yeah like lynn said you 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 definitely want to have you, you don't want to have that kind of I, I you don't want you don't want to have that kind of thing on that yeah i think look but i think if this and and you know the fritz pollard the fritz pollard alliance which which works you know Cyrus Mary and, and, and Rod Graves now at that alliance that they work in this space and have been working with the NFL for a long time in terms of minority hiring. And, and the bottom line is, is that when you talk about a league that is that I don't know what the actual percentage is, but when you talk about a league that is that is a majority African-American on the field and then you look at the numbers in front office positions, um, that's an issue. And, and, and you can't force people, meaning the owners, to hire you know, someone that they don't want to hire, but how, how do we create an environment where, where, where African-Americans and other minorities are getting these opportunities? And I think Anthony Lynn mentioned, you know, and Lewis Riddick mentioned, you know, getting, having more opportunities for these minority candidates to get in front of owners in a social setting, you know, whether it's at a league meeting or a league sanctioned event where they can, in a more of a relaxed atmosphere, get to know these people because the bottom line is you're going to hire someone you're comfortable with. 
-hmm. And can you get truly comfortable with someone meeting them for the first time and having a two or three hour interview? You know, it's versus someone that I know, someone that I've been around, someone that I've had interaction with. And that's why we end up seeing this cycle, this recycling of coaches, you know, this carousel. And, and you look at head coaches that have been around that, that, you know, they weren't successful at one organization and then they get a reboot in another. And it seems that most of it, most of them are white head coaches or white GMs. And, and how do you, how do you create, you know, a, a more inclusive pipeline? And, and that's something, you know, it's a challenge. And it's something that I think this proposal, if this furthers the conversation and this creates more thoughtful, a more thoughtful approach to this. And maybe it's not this rule, but maybe this this conversation leads to something that people can agree upon, or people that doesn't involve draft picks. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, if we knew the answer, then then we wouldn't have this issue. You know, we've dealt with it. We've dealt with it on the officiating side and hiring practices and and minority officials female officials. That's why I, I was going to bring that question up. Do you think this has anything to do with opening up the, uh, the minority candidates for females as well? Not just African No, no question. And I'll tell you, listen, if you think the NFL has been behind in terms of minority, in terms of African-American hirings in front office, they are way behind when it comes to female. When I'm sitting in, a, in, a, in an executive vice president meeting um, at the NFL, and I look around, and there are one, maybe two women in the room, and there's 30 people in the room. Um, there are, when you limit yourself, and that's the thing. Yes, we want to hire the best people. We want people to be hired on their own merits, not how they look. But the thing is, when you hire from one group, and everybody looks the same, and everybody thinks the same, and everybody has the same experience, you are limiting yourself. You're limiting. You're you're limiting the ideas and the potential by bringing in people from different backgrounds that look different, that 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 have a different perspective, and that's the thing. The NFL has such a long way to go in this area, and I think you know they're they're certainly behind. You look at the NBA. I think they're behind um, the NBA. Baseball has its challenges. Um, you know, certainly the NHL. I mean, that is a is a predominantly white sport. And, uh, and so, but again, it is a, this is a significant issue. And, and I know the league, this is not a, this is not something they just threw together at the last minute. This was, this was thought out. But I think when you start talking about awarding draft picks, now it starts to get into that, you know, if I'm, a, if I'm a minority candidate, I, I think I'm going to take the same approach as a Lewis Riddick and say, Hey, are you, are you talking to me or are you going to hire me? Um, you know, with that being a factor versus am I the best person for the job? I don't know. I, I'm not a minority. I've never walked in those no. shoes, but it, but I can understand that point. And it, it, it's, it's just such a, it's such a polarizing. You know, it reminds, it reminds me of back in like, what was it? 92, 94, when they're like, you know, we got to start hiring some Italian Americans. And that's how, you know, uh, that's how well, Dean got the job. I'm glad you brought <laughs> that up, Joe, because I feel like my people you know, it's a very, it's, it's, it's not an open discrimination, but it's a very like accepted. It's like, it's like an in the closet discrimination. Italian Americans have been, have been discriminated against what, when we watch movies, what are we portrayed as right? Mobsters. I just mob. watched Molly's game. Right. And you those, know, those Italian mobsters beat that poor woman up. What are we, what are we, what are we most known for? Our Italian food and pizza and all these things. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Joe. You're welcome. The, 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 the fight continues for, for me and my Italian-American friends. 
Any, anything else you want to add to that, Joe? You brought that one up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, we're not all mobsters. and. Sh- and I mean, and it worked out well for, for the 94 hiring of the Italian-Americans. I mean, you're, you've done a pretty good job of, over there at the end. I did. In 94, I did get the opportunity yeah. to intern with the National Football League. The only reason I got that opportunity is because the, the girl that worked in HR went to Hofstra University. I went to Hofstra. She didn't know me, but she saw Hofstra on my resume and she put my resume on top. So Hofstra I, pride right there. Baby. I still don't understand how you can so, say Hofstra, but you can't say huge. Huge? Yeah. Huge. Hofstra. Huge. Is just is the same. You Hofstra. should be saying Hofstra. Hofstra, there's no, it's not, it's H-O. I can say H-O. H-U is huge. It just is. You grant. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Let's move on. Travis, talk. <laughs> let's give us a rundown. The I, I briefly looked at the Major League Baseball 67-page um, health and safety, I guess, proposal. That's really interesting. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, it was pretty in-depth, like health and safety protocol is kind of what it was. And it was it was everything from like just no spitting um more severe penalties for for fights they don't want to have brawls obviously you get a bunch of people in in a group and you have a higher chance of 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 spreading the virus if someone were to have it um you have people that in the dugouts have to wear masks uh team officials um but anyways to to get to the point where they could start playing or see people back on the fields. We're talking like mid June, possibly in the, yeah. in the, uh, in the proposal. And this would be bringing like 50 players to either their home ballparks or Florida, Arizona facilities. This is all still yet to be worked out um, there. Like some of the things I, I saw, like people could be uh, forced to not take showers yeah. Well, so here's yeah, here's the deal, and it, and it, and this is going to be That's you talk crazy. about major league baseball players, and most most major league baseball players played in the minors, and uh, and so they know what it's like. And this it feels like a return more to minor league baseball, where okay. you know there's there's no showering at the at the stadium. You're either showering at home or at the at the uh, the hotel. So you go right from the game to the hotel or back home. Um, no post game buffets. Um, you talk about players are going to be would be in the stands six feet apart. Um, no sunflower seeds. No, none of that high hmm. five. No, no high fives. No. You talked about the bench clearing brawls, and certainly there would be. You know, it's hard to say, hey, no bench clearing brawls because somebody gets emotional, somebody reacts. Well, they obviously are going to have very, very, very severe penalties for bench clearing brawls, almost to the point where they're almost going to, you know, eliminate them with, with the fear of these penalties. Well, and think about who this protects, Dean. What was the, what was the, the major storyline of the offseason? The Astros cheating. And all, you, you heard about all these guys were going to get beaned, like Bregman wow. and Altuve. Like, if those guys talk are getting about, beaned now, there's no retaliation. Talk can, about the Astros. Not that, look, I don't want to, I don't want to, diminish this to, to but let's just talk about if anyone benefited from COVID-19 it's, it's the, the Astros. Astros that's what I'm saying man I mean they have benefited from people will you know it'll take a while for people to be like oh yeah those they cheated and won a, and won a world series 
But this was the story going into the season. Yeah. They were going to be, they were vilified. They were going to be villains on the road. They were going to be booed. They were going to be beamed. And now, I mean, they, they basically got a pass. And There's not going to be fans in the stands. They're not no, going to be. It, it's interesting, but, but it is, the whole thing is just fascinating in terms of like, you can't, you're trying to legislate contact, right? Physical contact. You're trying to, to keep that at a minimum. And when you talk about all of these sports, I mean, obviously baseball, you wouldn't consider it a contact sport, but you're going to have plays where you're going to have a, a runner on first base. The, the first base is not able to hold him on. There are collisions. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like, I didn't even think about that. Right. Like you have to hold that runner on because there's going to be no leads, right? Plays at second base. Runner Dude, steals well, second what base. about you this? Plays. There's going to be contact. You can't take that away. Forget about football. You can't, obviously, football is a contact sport. Hockey is a contact sport. Basketball, there's there's contact throughout. So you're not going to be able to play these sports without contact. And that's why some of the players that I'm reading, they said, look, we get it, the testing. We get, we'll go through all the testing protocols. But once we're cleared, let's make it as normal as possible, right? Because Because I don't have it. You don't have it. Why can't we just, you know, why can't we have sunflower seeds? And it's, it goes to the, the, the video you sent us, Travis, today. I was crying. <laughs> Go on Twitter. It's Nassau County, this Nassau just County official. Nassau County. Look up county tennis balls. Ten, <laughs> just look up Nassau County tennis ball protocol. And I grew up in Nassau County, which is, which is on Long Island. There's two counties. There's Nassau and Suffolk. Suffolk is further east. Nassau is right next to New York City. And, and she's standing in front of a, of a tennis facility, you know, outdoor tennis courts with two cops in face masks. And she's explaining the rules regarding tennis balls. Getting back on the court. Getting back on the court. And, and she starts off good because she was referring to them as tennis balls. And then you know somebody was talking to her saying, all right, Lisa, refer to them as tennis balls, right? Don't say, and she immediately goes into balls and she's like, you can kick someone else's balls, but you can't touch them. And it's like, and she can't even keep a straight face. Well, you hear all the media and all the people that are attending the event, like laughing and giggling and the two officers behind her, you can't see their faces, but you can see their like bodies like convulsing as if they're laughing. What are we doing? We're we're sitting in a room coming up with these rules, spending time when Joe and I are going to go play tennis and I'm going to pick up, I'm going to touch his balls and he's going to touch my balls. And that's it. And we're talking about tennis balls. And we've always been talking about tennis balls. When Joe and I play tennis, we touch each other's balls. Okay. (laughs) And and, and this is how often you guys play tennis together. Who's going to police that? Every Friday night. It's it's (laughs) insane. And I understand extraordinary times, but I I don't know. What about this, Dean? To to, to go back to the MLB and and the balls, like they're going to use balls like one time. Like if, if a ball is a, if a ground ball is in play, you know, multiple people are going to touch the ball and that ball is going to be out. Like, so what is it like half a, half a, what's the lifetime of a ball? Like half a, I mean, there's a, there's a pretty good, I mean, there's pretty good turnover anyway um, during games, but I I, got to imagine this is going to be like, you can't think about a football game. You can't, you're bringing new footballs in at certain times, but you have hurry up offenses. You have things where, you can't just shuffle out a football, you know, after every play, a basketball. People are pe- people are going to touch balls. 
It's just going to happen. <laughs> so we so have when to it comes that, it. what are you going to do with all those baseballs now? If you're just throwing them off the side before they became practice balls, and now you're not going to use them for practice balls either, right? I, I think you have to use the balls as much as possible, Travis. And indeed, you have to. You have to use the <laughs> can, balls. Can we, and on a serious note, like, what kind of an umpire is going to enforce a no spitting rule in baseball? Well, that, that's the thing. Like, what, what are they going to do? Like, what's the penalty? That's so ridiculous. This is just so overdone. It, exactly. And, that, and that's what I mean. And no one knows. Like, no one knows for sure. Can like, we, get, we still, there's can so we get much to let them play, chant? That we don't know. And believe me, I don't follow it as much. I'm not an expert by any means. But there's no one. No one knows exactly the right protocol. And so I get it. So we're trying to be as cautious as possible, but it's, I don't know, at some point, at some point we have to say, okay, let's, let's the compromise, the people with, with the, the, you know, the weak immune systems, the people that are in the, that, that range that are, that are at most risk, those people need to stay in. Those people need to stay protected and everybody else has to make their own decisions. Yeah. These are world-class athletes. The flu's not going right? to kill him. Michael Jordan right? played with and the flu, Dean. I, no, oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> Don't get me started. We're going to get into that. Travis, talk. Okay, what else? What else is going on? I know NASCAR got big ratings. I didn't watch. I'm not a NASCAR. I've never been a NASCAR, NASCAR guy. Yeah, like, yeah. But were the ratings significantly up from what they normally are? I, I didn't follow that. I just, I know they were big and people were happy within Fox about it. Oh, you didn't watch it, Trav? I, I didn't catch it either. Oh, no, I thought that I, was part of your. Thought that's no, what you guys did. No, I mean, Watch yeah, I probably I probably should have watched it just you know to, to be a company guy. <laughs> you shave heads, guys. It. I was I was hanging out with the family. Uh, we went to the beach actually, which leads me to, into the the next story of uh, Newsom, Governor Newsom in California, yeah. starting to open things up, um, and he says that that sports could be played in the state of California as early as um, early June, so in the next few weeks, uh, obviously without spectators. But yeah, we were out at the beach on Sunday, and and it was it was crazy to see half the people had masks half didn't have masks um who travis if you're i mean i commend you for going to the beach with you your wife and your eight kids how what was the <laughs> breakdown did all eight of your kids nobody was wearing masks so the older ones wearing masks what's happening? i have two kids and neither wore masks we didn't wear masks um we kept our distance from people uh, i didn't spit at all um i didn't i didn't play with any balls no no beach balls uh, no volleyballs, which with the crazy thing about the volleyball is they took the nets down at the yeah, beach yeah, I was at. Yeah. So people can't even play. Like, yeah. I don't know if they've done that at all the beaches, obviously, because I haven't been at the beaches. But that to me was was uh, pretty eye opening. That That's my favorite way to play because really, then, like, then I could spike the shit out of the ball. Boom. <laughs> right? Did you see how high I go? But, you know, it is it is interesting. I think California, when you think about professional sports returning, California is a key state. Um, yeah. there's no, I mean, I was looking at it. California has right. Five baseball teams, four NBA teams, three hockey teams, and three football teams. No other state has that number. So, right. so it is key to returning for all of these leagues. And, you know, it's, it's, this is, you think about here in LA County, I think LA County is going to be one of the last counties to, to start to, you know, to get back to normal because of the density of the population and the number of, you know, what, what they're considering a standard for reopening, but there are, look, I think we're, I think there's some light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's, we've all been waiting for. I got a, I got a text message from my, the guy that cuts my hair that they're going to be opening up. 
um, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks. You're, you're looking at, you know, you could have churches and you could have gyms and you could have all these other things opening up, obviously with revised, with revised rules and guidelines. Um, but I think we're starting to see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. So hopefully that means that, you know, the, the, the trend is, is, is going in the right direction and, uh, and we'll get back to some sense of normalcy soon. Yeah. So then next I'll, I'll move to the NHL and, and the, the, the story that's out there, obviously there's a lot of work to be done here and that's what the sources stress. There's a lot to, a lot of work to be done, but they could, they could um, open back up with a 24 team playoff format, which to me was kind of cool. Like this is kind of what we talked about right away when it first, first uh, happened with the pandemic is okay, well, let's just scrap the regular season. Let's just, let's just get going back up in June or something and just do playoffs. So that's kind of what the NHL is looking at. Like, how would you feel about that? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's interesting. I did read that they were talking about, I think the players association would like to play some regular season games before the playoffs. And I think that makes sense just because think about playoff hockey, like that's, that's another level. And you, now you're taking two, two and a half months off and then throwing your body right into that type of intensity. I think for safety reasons, I think it would make sense to at least play a couple of games, you know, each team play a couple of games, you know, finish out the standings, but you know, a 24 team playoff, that 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 excites the shit out of me because I don't care. Look, NHL playoffs to me is is one of the most exciting sports, you know, sporting environments ever. And and so now you're going to have 24 teams um, out of you know, 12 from each conference, however they, they figure it out. That's exciting to me after two and a half months of no hockey. So so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. I do think you know, it'd be tough for those players to jump right into a playoff environment with, with after having two and a half months off. Yeah. You got to have some kind of training camp to get these guys back in shape. So thinking about these games being played without fans and hockey and basketball being home, home field advantage, you know, to the, to the nth degree, those are the sports that it probably means the most. Like, how is that, how would that even play out with no fans there? Like, it's just, it would be weird. I know uh, Kevin Harvick who won the NASCAR race, he said it was, it was, it was really just kind of surreal. Like all of a sudden you're like, you win the race and you're trying to celebrate and you're looking around, but you know, fans aren't yelling for you. Your teammates can't come near you. Like, it's- no, it's, 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 we talked about with the UFC and, and not having that. And then you start to think about like, Joe, the betting lines, like, are you going to see is Vegas going to have to adjust betting lines, especially in certain sports like the NBA, when that home court advantage is more prevalent, you know, I think you're going to see Definitely. betting lines, you know, yeah adjust it'll be very similar to the beginning of of the of all the seasons the line they where you just don't by know week three or four they kind of they, they start to figure it out but you don't know you know who's working out who's sitting at home eating pizza i mean dude could come in big time out of shape so yeah lot, lot so of it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that all plays out nba travis what's the latest on that yeah so they nba's talking um they could get going pretty soon you know obviously they need some, some time to get get things going but talking about getting uh, everyone to about 70 games that's like five or seven games for some teams um decision for from uh from commissioner silver will come in the next few weeks and one of the reports was saying uh the teams are implored to to get back out there and, and be in kind of a playoff um playoff race to finish the season and he was he's, he's implored these teams um to play because steve kerr who is the coach of the, the Warriors who had a ton of injuries to start the year and, and are at the very bottom of the West. 
they don't even want to finish the games. Like what's the incentive for teams to come back to play five or seven games. So, so that's like the NHL is kind of following that guideline. Like, okay, those teams are out of it. Why even bring them back, put them at risk. The, the, the less people that are, are, you know, playing in that risk, then, you know, less people are going to get it. It's like the stay at home for, for them is, is, is coming into play as well. No, but then you think about competitive impact in terms of, you know, draft position and okay, our draft position was based on, 60 games their draft position was based on 55 games you know it's so there's so many variables yeah. it's in it's really crazy to think you know and they their heads must be spinning yeah um, these meetings know. must be crazy like oh, you have to just, think about everything and, and stuff that you've never even thought of of course it's 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 crazy and you're and this is like i said we're not going to see anything like this hopefully we don't we haven't seen anything in our lifetime and hopefully we won't ever again um let's uh let's go to break when we come back, we're going to talk the most controversial calls in NFL history. I made a list. We'll go down the list next on Good Calls. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM, let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Alright, we're back on Good Calls. Yo, your background was that a little, was that a CPBL? Yeah, did that for you. Is that is that your background there? That's exactly what On it is. Zoom? Yep. Well, the, the Taiwanese baseball. The rat, 
the Ratukan monkeys are still in first. That's Travis's team. Yep. Um, they're, you know, still I think they got like a six or seven game lead right now. Um, so yeah, they're 16 and six. They're dominating. Yeah. They're, they're, they've been, they're the dominant team. Like we said, they're the Patriots of the Chinese professional baseball league. Um, so we were talking about Monday morning quarterback. Um, I guess this was what, two weeks ago? When did they? Yeah, do- a couple of weeks ago, they tweeted out like, uh, it's, you know, they, they sent out a, a video of is this the worst blown call of all time? Um, and, and that just got us thinking like, hey, Dean, you're the rules guy. Let's, let's put together the, the real list. So, the and so as I was thinking about this, um, the, the list I came up with is not necessarily a blown call list. It's, it's a controversial or, or impactful call list. And like, look, blown calls, there are calls that I've seen in my career in officiating where it's like you, you would think there was a third grader out there or, or who making that call, but they weren't like impactful. You know, it was a, it was a week six game with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter and you look at it and you go, what, what the heck were they looking at? Um, so, so there's blown calls like that. And then there's calls that everybody is going to remember. There's controversial calls, whether, you, whether it's debatable, um, whether it was a missed call. But I think, you know. The call they were referencing me, was the fail Mary. Yes. So when you think about the fail Mary, the fail Mary was 2012. That was during, that was during the, 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 the lockout when the officials were locked out first couple of weeks of the season and uh and it was le- it was the last play of the lockout of the lockout because that was monday night it was um it was seattle and green bay it was green bay at seattle so you're on the west coast so think about that that play happens um after midnight um no what, when was yeah, East Coast time, right? Well after midnight, East Coast time. So you're into Tuesday morning. Now we we were that time was was probably the most um, I don't even know turbulent time in my career at the NFL. It was you know we had had a lockout in, in 2001. Um, we we only missed you know we had a couple of preseason games with replacement officials um, and and you know, then 9-11 happened and the officials came back two weeks later. So, the, and those officials were, the, the better college officials worked during that lockout in the NFL. This lockout, the better college officials did not work. These officials were were your lower tier college officials, some some lower level college officials. Why was that? Was the other guys just so, already locked up with college football? No, the, here, here's what happened. The first go around, the college officials that worked during the lockout were basically looked at as, um, for lack of a better term, scabs. They were ostracized in the in the officiating community. The NFL officials felt betrayed that they were standing for what they believed in for a better deal, and these officials were 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 by working were hindering that process. So those officials received a lot of backlash. And many of them felt that if you talk to them, they felt that um, they were they were not given opportunities to get to the NFL because they worked during the lockout. So when when we went into that lockout, and I, I wasn't the head of officiating, um, but I know what went into finding the replacement officials. 
And they, the NFL purposely did not go after the top college officials. They didn't want to put them in that position. So they went for lower level officials. But this was, this was the powers that be didn't understand. You can't just put anybody out there. And we knew, we knew that, um, you know, myself, a couple of other people in the, within the department, we knew this was not going to work. We knew you could get by maybe a week, maybe even two weeks. But eventually, if you throw people out there that are not used to the speed, the intensity, and not just that, football's football, holding is holding, um, you could get by. But managing an NFL game, TV, all the external things, right? All of that, the, all of that process can be overwhelming. When you talk about somebody whose experience is maybe division two, maybe division three, where some games are televised, some aren't, maybe even high school, where a majority of games are not televised. Right. That whole, the outside stuff became so overwhelming. So we knew eventually um, the shit was going to hit the fan and it hit the fan that game, that Monday night. Um, it was a stressful time. We were, we, I remember going to games and I was in the replay booth with a headset to the on-field officials. And I was basically helping them through the process of NFL rules, helping them enforce penalties. And I've never felt more um, exhausted at the end of a game. And through no fault of these officials, these officials were, were put in a position to fail. You can't take, that's like taking, I know Joe thinks that if he had five inches, he could be an NFL tight end. Yeah. But that's like taking Joe or myself or you and throwing us out there in the middle of an NFL game and saying, okay, you're the left tackle, block, you know, block that defensive end. Like we would fail. Yeah. And that's what they were put in. They were put in that position. And, and obviously the fail Mary, look, there were a couple of problems with that play. It was offensive pass interference. Golden Tate clearly pushed Sam Shields um, in the back uh, to even have a chance to make that catch. Then they went up and it's, some people say, what, hey, look, it was a simultaneous catch. It's an interception. Um, it, it, it should have been ruled an interception on the field. Um, it would have been tough to overturn in replay just because it was tough to see the football. I think had the replay official had the, the, the wherewithal to think big picture, um, big picture, change it, make it an interception, um, you know, and, and Green Bay wins the game and we don't have all this controversy. But literally, we were talking before that week before that game, that once a deal got done, it was going to take two weeks minimum to get the regular officials back. That play happened Monday night into Tuesday morning. They were back Thursday night. That's how impactful that play was. So it's definitely one of the top, you know, missed calls. That was a bad and certainly call. controversial calls in sure. history. Um, so here's my list. And then I did this in chronological order. And so the, the Immaculate Reception, all right, so this was Raiders-Steelers. This was the AFC Divisional game in 1972. It was the last play of the game, and everybody's seen the video, the pictures. Um, you know, Bradshaw scrambles, throws the ball. It, it, it deflects off either Jack Tatum or Frenchie Fuqua. Franco Harris catches it out of the air and runs it in for a game-winning touchdown as time expires. So, But a lot of people don't remember that there, there was a controversy about that play because at that time, the rules said, you couldn't, if a pass touched an offensive player, it couldn't then touch a second offensive player. If, if, it tipped, if a receiver tipped a pass, another receiver couldn't catch it. So if that ball is touched by Frenchie Fuqua, then Harris catching it is a foul. And 
to this day, we still don't know who touched it first. It looks like it hit off Tatum, the Raiders, the Raiders player. But there was a long, long, long conversation after that play. 15 minutes or so, the crew talking about it. Art McNally, who was the head of officials at the time, who was in the press box. And ultimately, um, there was no replay at that time, but there was a long discussion. And ultimately, they went with touchdown. But that, that was definitely a significant, a significant and controversial play. And then the rule changed in 1978. So it wasn't just because of that play, but in 1978, the double touch rule went away. And now it's the rule that we all know so that it can be touched by a receiver and, uh, and a second player could, could catch it. Um, the next one was the Holy Roller, the 1978 Chargers Raiders. This was early in the season and uh, it was the, the last play of the game. Ken Stabler either fumbled or threw it. Um, the ball was muffed forward. Um, Dave Christensen falls on it in the end zone and the Raiders win. And this did lead to a rule change um, where this was before the, the two-minute fumble rules when now we say that inside two minutes, if, if a player fumbles, then only he can advance it. So had that rule been in place, it, would have, it wouldn't have counted. And so that rule did change in 1979. So that was a whenever, – whenever a play leads to a rule change, it's certainly controversial. Herrera loves that fourth quarter fumble rules. He the says fourth, it all the time in the Yeah, studio. the fourth down fumble, two-minute fumble. Hey, there rule. you go. That's what so, it is. yeah, the, the fourth down fumble rule was in place, but it only applied in 1978. It only applied inside the, the defensive team's 10-yard line. Um, and so that, that did expand the rule. I don't know. Go back. If you get a chance, go back and look at this video, because I think from a judgment perspective – this might have been the worst blown call in a big situation. This was the 79 AFC title game. And Oilers fans will remember it. Steelers fans will remember it fondly. Oh, yeah. But Mike Renfro, Oilers are down 17-10, third quarter. They're driving. Renfro catches a pass clearly inbounds in the end zone at the end line, and it's ruled incomplete. No replay. They don't score. They end up losing 27-13. This is this from a judgment perspective is probably one of the worst blown calls um, in a big situation. So, that was a so bad Google, call. YouTube Mike Renfro, uh, no catch, and, uh, and you'll see what I mean. 1998 was not a good year for, for officiating and officiating controversies. Um, I was at the league office at the time. 1998, we had Thanksgiving Day, right? We all remember Steelers-Lions, Phil Luckett, Jerome Bettis. Did he call tails? Did he call heads? Oh my um, gosh. This was a this was <laughs> crazy when it happened. Um, I remember watching it and I was like, and what just happened? Bettis says he called tails. Luckett said he Luckett, and I know Phil Luckett. Phil Luckett is one of the nicest people on the planet. Phil Luckett um, has adopted two young girls from Russia, from impoverished towns in Russia. And Phil Luckett and his wife adopt. Phil Luckett is salt of the earth human being, and mm. he was ripped to shreds because of because of situations that he was involved in. And Phil Luckett, and look, I believe I've never talked to Jerome Bettis about it, but I believe Phil Luckett when he tells me he heard he heard Bettis change his he heard Bettis change his 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 decision. He said head tails. And there has been enhanced audio that would that would kind of lend itself to that to that idea. But the bottom line is, people heard tails. Luckett said heads. It went tails, and uh, and the uh, the Lions end up getting the ball and winning the game. So so that was definitely controversial. 
Um, later that year, Phil Luckett refereeing, not his call, but Seahawks Jets. Vinny Testaverde touchdown that wasn't. Fourth down, Jets are down 31-26. Um, Testaverde sneak up the middle. Officials rule touchdown. He's clearly short, no replay. Jets win the game 32-31. Seahawks end up going 8-8, eight eight, miss the playoffs, and Dennis Erickson and the, the entire staff is fired. That play was probably the last straw when it came to replay. And replay was re-implemented back in the following year. And I think not just that play only because of that play, but it was definitely the last, the last straw. And that was, and look, the kind of a footnote, the headlinesman on that play was Ernie France. Ernie France um, is a good friend of mine. Ernie France, no one, no one feels worse when an official makes an incorrect call like that, that costs a team a game. Ernie France went into deep depression after that play. Wow. No, he, he, he stopped talking to people. He went into isolation. He mm. was, and this is a guy that was one of the better officials, worked Super Bowls, went on to have a great career, worked replay, um, worked Super Bowls as a replay official. He went into depression after that play and he took it upon himself. And that's the, sometimes we forget about the, the human element of right. this. And no one feels worse. Um, and it was the officiating community and the family that had to bring him out of it um, to get him back because he felt he just he felt awful. And it was and it was a big, big deal. This wasn't me feeling bad and then, you know, shaking it off. It was he went into a deep, deep depression and it took a while for him to get out of that. So, you know, it's just one of those deals where it's just it's just so tough. And, uh, and thankfully, replay came back in 99. And, 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 you know, we didn't have situations like that. Um, 1998, later that year, right? Packers 49ers wildcard game. People don't remember. Everybody remembers the Steve Young pass to Terrell Owens to win the game, right? Between right. three defenders. One of the great iconic plays in the history of the NFL. Well, four plays earlier, Jerry Rice fumbled. The Packers recovered and the officials ruled Rice down. Hmm. No replay. Game continues, Niners win. If there was replay, that would have been reversed to a fumble and, uh, and the Packers would have won. So, so history changed there. Obviously, replay came back the next year. Um, the 1999 wildcard game, right? Titans-Bills, the Music City Miracle, still debated to this day. Frank Wycheck throwing the pass back to Kevin Dyson. It still looks forward play. to me. It, it, and, and it does. I agree it looks forward, but if you go by the rule. And it's the point of where the ball is released to where it's first touched. You cannot say that it is clearly forward. Yeah. And it was ruled backward. And think about the rule back then. An illegal forward pass, if the officials would have ruled the play illegally forward, then the play would have been dead as soon as Dyson caught the ball. And so replay would not have been able to do anything about that. So kudos mm. to that crew for letting it go. Replay looked at it, and that was my replay official. My first year in 1999, I was a video operator. I worked with a replay official, Bob Boylston. We worked all year together, and um, you know, I was basically the assistant to the replay official. We didn't work together in the playoffs. That was his game. I was destined, because I was really good, I was destined for bigger things. I worked the Super Bowl that year. Thank you very much. But anyway, so I'm sitting <laughs> at home. Brag. I'm sitting at home watching that play 
praying for my partner to get it right. And I was like, oh my God, I've been with him all year and now they have this play and I can't be there with him. And, uh, but that was definitely, people still debate that call, um, you know, this, uh, you know, in 2020. Um, 1999 FC Championship game, the Bird Emanuel play, right? Changed the rule. Uh, that, that was 47 seconds left. Bucks are down 11-6 in the, in the championship game against the Rams. Um, they completed pass to Bird Emanuel. Would have been a first down. Would have put them in Rams territory. They're driving. Replay stops the game, reverses it to incomplete. By rule, it was the correct ruling because at that time, if any part of the ball touched the ground, mm-hmm. it was an incomplete pass. It was a very technical application of the rule, but it was the correct application. The rule changed after that to say that if the player ball touched the ground and the player had control of it, it was still a catch. And so, you know, and I've done, you know, at the Super Bowl, I've done presentations with Bert Emanuel. He's just a great guy. And obviously uh, that is, you know, a very significant, when you talk about that rule change, it's one of the biggest rule changes in the history of the NFL. Um, the tuck rule. Right. What can we say about the tuck rule? Everybody remembers the tuck rule. Does the do you think the New England dynasty happens without the tuck rule? Um, who knows? Who knows? But that game was over. Right. Woodson hits Brady, comes off the edge, hits Brady, rule the fumble. Raiders recover in the snow. Fairy tale ending for the Raiders. They're going to move on. Replay comes in. Walt Coleman and they reverse it to a pass, which it was by rule. And uh what happens? Patriots go on, tie the game. Vinatieri makes two um, of the iconic field goals in, in NFL history, ties the game, and then wins it in overtime in the snow. And uh, and the and the, the dynasty is born that year. They beat the, the Rams in, in the Super Bowl. So um, Amy Trask still to this day, who was the president of the Raiders at the time. When yeah, we, we had her on. Yes, we had her on months She's ago. Still, it's yeah. like it happened yesterday. It's like it happened yesterday. 2013, I came in my first year, not my first order of business, but one of the rule changes we put in was changing the tuck rule um, to uh, to make that a fumble. So Raider fans, you uh, you know, if I were in charge of officiating, that would have never happened. So there you go. This next one, 2002, this one to me might be, at least in my memory, recent memory, the worst blown call um, in terms okay. of the, in terms of the, the magnitude of the play, and this was not so much judgment, it was the misapplication of a rule. And you can live with judgment. You can live with a bang-bang play and an official missing it. But when you misapply a rule, that in the officiating world, that is a big, big issue. And this was at the end of the game. This was Giants 49ers. And I don't know if you remember this game. This was one of the most wild games in NFL history. The Giants led 38-14 with about three minutes to go in the third quarter. The Niners came all the way back and took the lead with about a minute to go. The Terrell Owens touchdown went up 39-38. There was a brawl after after the the two-point try with Terrell Owens tackling a Giants defender out of bounds. And there's a fight in the middle of a playoff game, a one-point game in the fourth quarter. Go back and watch the highlights of this game. It's insane. Giants get the ball back. Good return. They get in position for a field goal attempt. They have a new holder, Trey Junkin, who they brought out of retirement because their their holder and their backup holder, uh, not holder, sorry, snapper, their long snapper, Trey Junkin, their long snapper was injured. Their backup was injured. So they bring Trey Junkin out of retirement. 
And he'd already, and he already had a bad snap earlier in the game. Bad snap. The 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 holder rolls out, throws a pass downfield. Rich Seibert, who was downfield for the Giants, gets tackled. No flag for pass interference. They flag the Giants for an eligible downfield. Miss that the Rich Seibert was actually he's an offensive lineman, so he's wearing an offensive lineman number, but he was on the end of the line. He was in a huh. tight end position, so he's eligible. Did he report eligible? Does, you don't have to. Oh, you don't yeah, have to. Your, your report is eligible before the game. Your report is eligible in a okay. field goal. or So you do report as eligible. Mm. He was in an eligible position, and they just they didn't realize he was eligible. Should have been offsetting penalties. Giants should have had another opportunity to kick the field goal. Game ends, Niners win. That, and I was at the league office during that time. That was not good, especially being in New York. Oh, I'm sure. office being in New York, not happy. Um, and then the last two, Des Bryant, right? Obviously, me and Des and this play will be forever linked. Um, certainly one of the most controversial calls in recent years um, because of the magnitude of the play and also because Cowboy fans just can't get over it. And, uh, and so this was the rule. He went to the ground. He lost the ball. It was the correct application of the rule, not because I was involved, because that was the rule at the time. The rule has since changed. But the magnitude of the play, four minutes to go, fourth quarter, would have given the ball to the Cowboys first and goal at the one. If they score, they go ahead. And uh, But if you hear Cowboys fans talk about it, that was the Super Bowl, and we cost them the Super Bowl with that call. But <laughs> anyway, and then – Right, 2018, the NFC Championship game. I can't think of a call that had a bigger impact that was more controversial in recent years um, that, you know, I don't think from a mechanic standpoint, it was, look, it was pass interference. It was a missed call. I don't think when you watch it at full speed, it was like, oh my God, this is the worst call in history. But it's definitely, when you talk about the Saints get that call, the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Right, because then they're downing the ball on the next play and running the clock out. When you think of it in that context, it's probably the biggest decision, at least recent years, not making that call. And, uh, and you know, and obviously it led to a rule change. Rule change didn't work. Um, One-year experiment for pass interference review. And, uh, yeah, so, so that's my list. I'm sure there were others, so, hey, just – you know, tweet it, tweet it us, let us know if there are other calls that you think should have made this list. But, uh, but that's where I am on the list. I watched the Renfro while we were doing this. Definitely a catch. Oh, I mean, he's clearly in bounds. Yeah. He's, Second he, foot dragged easily. I mean, and, and that's, <laughs> that is, that's a tough one, man. Imagine, and that's why, imagine a world without replay. Imagine that happens in a championship game now. Yeah. Yeah. And and they call it incomplete. And there's no ability to fix it. Yeah, the world would end. Twitter would, would end. go crazy. It would it would be insane. That's why people say replay. You need replay. I just think we need to manage it better and make sure we're not make sure we're not uh, you know going too far. Um, there was there was another very controversial call that um, I was not there, but Joe was involved in. We we played pickup. We used to play pickup basketball. <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> And, and Joe was – Joe, you were the recipient or you were the guy that fouled? What, no, I was you, the one who got fouled. You Okay, the way he says it. 
Joe was Joe was apparently fouled in a pickup game, called his own foul. There was video of it because Joe was video. He had his I wasn't drone. no, Paulo was. Okay, pa- Paulo was. Our friend Paolo was, and there's video of it. I watched the video. I didn't see a foul. <laughs> I, I definitely did not see a he foul. He got my elbow, and That's I never call fouls. I never, Let's post that, no, Let's no, post no, no. that to our Instagram I page. never call fouls, but I called that foul because I was getting fouled all game. Mm. Oh, so that was a, a makeup it call. It was an accumulation. And it, it wasn't was a makeup call. It was it was generally a, a foul I wouldn't call, but I was just like, look, dude, you're fouling me all game. I got to take this one. Game point. Huh. Joe, this I, was the first time I ever met you. was like, you got to see this video. Like, There's and, another video and that you showed surfaced. the video, like this, in the cube. There's another video ago. that surfaced this week of, I think we'll talk about it soon, but. Another, there's another controversial play in the uh, frisbee throwing game. All right, let's uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're gonna finally put the last dance to bed. Thank God. Next on Good Calls. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, we're back. And the much-anticipated, much-discussed, much 
to do about nothing documentary the last <laughs> dance about the bulls what in the 1997 1998 the arrogance to say that we're going to chronicle this season and then when when i think that maybe my popularity is waning a little bit then we'll release it so i can get back my face i can get back in the news well apparently um, this was supposed to come out like during the playoffs when when lebron was probably leading the lakers to the finals and, and possibly winning yeah, with a third yeah, different because i need team. to be because i need to be yeah but so I, I've not, and I'm on it. I'm, I'm totally serious. I've not watched a minute of it, but it's impossible to stay away from it. If you're on social media, if you, you know, if you, if you go on sports websites, like I do just to catch up on stuff, it's impossible. So I've read, I've read stuff. I've talked to people. So after not watching the last dance, here's my recap. Okay. <laughs> so the bottom line is look, Michael Jordan, again, I'll preface this, the, right, the greatest player in the history of the game, the greatest winner, all that stuff, but he's an asshole, right? The more I read about this thing, he's an asshole. And people give him a pass because, well, he had to be an asshole because he pushed, he pushed his teammates to win. If Michael Jordan doesn't win six championships, he's just an asshole, but now he's the greatest player. Other guys have won. Bill Russell won how many championships? 10 and 11 years? He wasn't right. an asshole. Nine in a row or something. So, so let's not let's not give him a pass for being, you know, anything less than an asshole. That's it. When I read about right now the the flu game is apparently bad pizza now. Okay. <laughs> so he ordered he ordered a pizza. They didn't somehow he didn't make it to dinner. He got he he threw a piss a fist he threw a hissy fit. Ordered a pizza late night in Utah in Salt Lake and then basically spit on the pizza so that no one else would eat it. Right. This is, this is the story. Do you know who, else wait, used wait, to wait. Do that? who said that? My, that, that was admitted. That... He spit, he spit on the pizza to ensure that nobody would touch his pizza. Michael Jordan he, did? Michael Jordan spit on the pizza so that nobody else would touch the pizza because they didn't bring, they didn't, they didn't tell him about dinner he was the only one that was going to eat that pizza. And apparently he did that before. He did that on, on a commercial shoot. He spit on like cinnamon buns because he didn't want anybody to eat the cinnamon buns. You know who else used to do that? My brother, okay? Have you, you guys have talked to my brother, right? Uh -huh. My brother well, we used listened. to spit. If there was one slice of pizza yet left, my brother would grab it and lick it or he would spit on it so that we wouldn't, we wouldn't eat the pizza, okay? couple other things my brother used to do when we used to get into fights he would take something of mine he would take a radio he would take my disc man yes i had a disc man okay he would take and he wouldn't throw it at he wouldn't throw it to me i'd throw it at me he would throw it to me i would have to catch it because i don't want it to fall and break he would punch me in the face and run when my <laughs> hands were my hands were occupied okay that was Smart. the other thing he used to do the other thing, the other thing he created was this alter ego called the dragon. I told you guys this story. Oh yeah, I've heard of the dragon. The dragon. The dragon was undefeated. Whenever we were, we were a year and a half apart. We used to fight all the time. I was older. I used to get the better of him. And so we'd be fighting, wrestling. We used to put, we used to have like bare knuckle boxing, but put socks over our, our you know, try to put socks over our hands so it wouldn't cut, we wouldn't get in trouble because we'd have cuts. 
So I'd be winning. He would freak out, lose his mind, start shaking and flailing his arms uncontrollably. <laughs> and I would have to like stop. And then, and then when I would get him back under control, he would go, oh, what happened? What, what? <laughs> I blacked out for a second. And I was like, what? He goes, oh, it was the dragon. You can't defeat the dragon. So every, every time he would do that, right? He would win for a second and then I would get him back in like a, you know, head, a headlock and he, the dragon would go away. He'd be like, oh, he's gone again. So the dragon was undefeated. That's my brother. So basically my brother is Michael Jordan without six NBA titles. That's it. That's my take. All right. That's a hot days. take. Right. That's, that's, that's my take on that's it. And the other thing about the last dance, which I love that I read, somebody read like winners and losers. Somebody wrote an article about winners and losers about this, this documentary. And one of the winners was Isaiah Thomas because Jordan still hates Isaiah. Called him an asshole during the documentary. Still hates Isaiah to this day. Why does he hate Isaiah to this day? Not because Isaiah was a prick, because Isaiah beat him. Because right. they couldn't, Isaiah beat him three out of four playoff, playoff matchups. And, I'm, and, I, and this is not, I'm, I'm curious, I'm gonna present this to you. I want you guys to agree or disagree, however you feel. Michael Jordan's Bulls, if Michael Jordan's Bulls were playing in the 80s versus the 90s, they don't win six titles and he's not considered the player he is today. True or false? Oh, they were considered a, a finesse team more than a, than a, than a power team. Is like, Michael like, Jordan's Bulls beating the Lakers in the 80s, the Pistons in the 80s, and the Celtics in the 80s? Yes or no? No. No. They're not. He caught, he caught Magic and Bird at the end of his career, right? He didn't – the Pistons beat him up. You know, he finally, they finally beat the Pistons at the end, but the Pistons were at the end of their run. He's not winning six championships against – he was playing against – he was playing against individual stars on not great teams. Patrick Ewing, they beat the Knicks four times. I'm a Knicks fan. And look, if Michael Jordan was on the Knicks, he'd be my asshole. But guess what? He wasn't. <laughs> Patrick Ewing, the, the next best player on Ewing's Knicks was probably John Starks. John Starks was bagging groceries in Oklahoma. John Starks was the second best player on those Knicks teams. When you look at the Blazers teams, they had Glide Drexler, they had Jerome Kersey. They didn't have the, what the Lakers and Celtics had, right? Barkley with the Suns. Name another player on Barkley's Suns, right? Dan, Utah Marley. Dan Marley. Dan Marley, right? But they didn't – Stockton and Malone. You didn't have these, these great teams. And Jordan, yes, Jordan didn't have – Jordan didn't have, you know, the Celtics and Lakers of the 80s, but he had a top 20 player. Scotty Pippen. He had guys that, you know, Horace Grant, Steve Kerr. He had guys that were, were great role players. Tony Kukoc. Yeah. All of those things. So that's it. I'm done. I'm we get done it. We get it. You don't like Michael Jordan. Jordan. We, we're, we're all aware. Anyway. What are you guys watching? Anything good? You know, I was watching that I'm Michael Jordan documentary. <laughs> <laughs> really? Just what finished it, it today. <laughs> You know, he kind of came off as a dick. <laughs> well, you said the winner, but the loser, and that was Scottie Pippen. You didn't mention that. He just looked like a whiny little bitch. Well, so. I mean, Jerry Krause, obviously the right. GM came across. Um, you know, I think Steve Kerr was the winner. Uh, Anyways, like I, I watched I watched the other night, I watched The Wrong Missy, the, the David Spade Netflix movie. 
Is that good? Pretty entertaining. Yeah, the female lead was a little over the top at times, so but lovable the at the same time. Um, I'd watch it. I'd watch it again. You guys should check it out. I'd recommend it. What makes her? What makes her lovable, Travis? It's it, she's just uh, genuine. She just comes off. She just is. It's who she is, and people love her for it. Okay, that's good. Most Travis. Um, n- another hot take. Another hot take. Um, last Last Kingdom on Netflix is better than Game of Thrones. Just throwing it out there. Huh. That's wow. all. You're really. I never it watched out there, Game of Thrones. Me neither. I. I mean, I've read the books. I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Last couple nice. of seasons were not as great. Last Kingdom is better than Game of Thrones. Watch Last Kingdom. But is it better than Breaking Bad? Because Breaking Bad's the good. See, I'm different. with you, Trav. It's just a different. Yeah. You can't really get apples and oranges. Yeah. I'm with Trav. Um, so if you like Breaking apples, Bad. then it's you know, or you like oranges. It's not. It's not apples and apples. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also, I've watched this other one on Netflix, Trial by Media. Really good. Huh. So Trial by Media talks about these um, these big time. Um, trials typically most of it's like in the 80s um, I don't know if you remember the Jenny Jones murder case when when the guy the guy went on Jenny Jones to uh, confess his crush on his friend um, and he they oh, did it I on remember. the show and hmm. it was and his friend was a guy and so the guy went on the show his friend confessed that he had a crush on him the guy felt embarrassed because you know a gay man was confessing this crush obviously at that time, um, you know, a little bit, you know, people were, were clearly not as progressive as they are today, was embarrassed to end up shooting the guy. Wow. And um, that, so one episode was about that. Another episode about um, the Bernie, Bernard Getz. If you remember the Bernard Getz story about shooting the four um, young black teenagers on the New York City subway. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to get into the next one, which I think uh, is the, I forget his name. I think his name was Amadulo. He was an unarmed man that was shot 41 times by New York City police officers oh. in the Bronx. And, uh, and it's all about these cases and how the media impact the actual case. So definitely check it out. Really well done. Okay. What's that one called again? Trial by Media. Okay. Um, and then, Joe, you, you mentioned this. What about, so we got a, a three-day weekend coming up. Now, yes. now, I know the weekend looks a little bit different because of, of quarantine and all that, but, but what are, what are three-day weekend rules? What are, you know, are there rules to a three-day weekend? Can you start a three-day weekend on Thursday? Absolutely. I think you should always extend the three-day to a four-day, my opinion. But then it's no, longer, then it's no longer a three-day weekend. You, you, you're, yeah, it's even can, better. Can it be called a four-day weekend? I think you and can. And can you call a weekend, to me, like, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to propose a rule. You can't refer to a, 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 a number of days as a weekend if it's the majority of the week. Does that make sense? Yeah. Seven days in the week. You can't have a four-day weekend because then it's the majority of the week. So oh, a weekend can only be two or three days. Well, what That's do you call it? Change so we just have to call it a vacation. Mm. That then it becomes a vacation. When does a three when does a three day weekend become a vacation? That fourth when you day. Add, when you add a fourth day. I like it. Rule. Okay. Joe? You know, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it it actually makes sense. So I'll go with it. Okay. Um. So three day weekend. Do you have to, can you have a three-day weekend at home? Eh, not these days. Because like, we've been you, here for. Can you for, take off, can you take off from work 
and say you're going to have a three-day weekend and not go somewhere. I think they call that a staycation. What? I think they call that a staycation. So, so that's a staycation. No, I think you can still call it a weekend because anytime you're not working and you're off, that's considered, you know, you're off days. You're, you're so we've been on like a, exactly what, like a 68 yeah. day weekend. No, but so we're I, still working from home. So like your days are full of zoom calls, all kinds of conference yeah. calls and things. My days Is, are full. Okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about then knowing what we know now, right now that you can do all these things remotely you can do all, you know, and because I remember, I remember a time when, you know, the weekend was the weekend. There wasn't email. There wasn't cell phones. You left work on Friday, and if you got a phone call, it was an emergency. Right. Right. That went away with emails and, you know, cell phones and all of that. Now, has it changed? Have we, have we just upped the ante with all these Zoom calls and everything else where will there ever be a day where we're not doing something? You know, what, what, will an employer feel bad about scheduling a Zoom call, you know, after hours or on a Saturday? Because it's not like you have to come into the office, but we're going to have a half hour session. You know, is that what we're looking at? I thought we were going to end the show on a high note. Now I'm just going to be, now I'm down. Now I'm really down, Dean. You, like, you really broke it down there. I, I just think this is going to be, you know, I was talking to a couple of people, a couple of the Fox executives, and this, you know, this changes, it also changes how we look at TV. There was a right. point, one of the things that, that the production, right, it was, okay, if you're going to bring somebody in and do, a, you know, something on air, right, it was the lighting had to be amazing makeup, all of those things, the production value. Now, what are we seeing? We're seeing Zoom calls. We're seeing people in their living rooms, in their dens, in their bedrooms. There's no lighting. There's no... And so what I think we're learning about the consumer is that they don't care what it necessarily looks like as long as the content is there, right? It's entertaining. They're learning something, which is really interesting, which I think is going to change, you know, give us access to more, you know, to more guests. You know, you think about the shows on Fox FS1, whether it's Colin or Speak for Yourself or Undisputed, you know, when they have guests, you know, just having a Zoom call with no bells and whistles, I think before there might might have been a hesitancy. Now, talking to some people at Fox, they're just going to do it. And I think it's going to give us more access to more people. Yeah, a lot of my day-to-day has to deal with uh, putting those Hall of Famers we have almost every day on on screen. And those shots don't always look great. Kind of like if we're looking at my video right now, you, you don't always have the best lighting. You don't always have the best headroom and you're not always centered in the shot. And it doesn't, and, and the, the producers for that show are like, yeah, let's do it. That it looks good. As long as we can hear them fine, let's do it. Yeah. Audio has become more important at this point. Like if the 100%. guy looks. The guy audio, looks, Joe, did you hear that? Yeah, audio. Not, audio has well, it's not great, but you know, we're doing the best we can. Be no, nice but, if we well, could no, just what see. I'm saying is audio has become more important. You're becoming more valuable. I know what our audio sounds terrible most of the time. Because of the Zoom <laughs> Your calls. stock just rose big time. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's let's go to Brandon Blandino. Guy is still using the club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you saw one? Did you I actually see one or did you just think about it? I saw it? a club walking down the street in Santa Monica on Wilshire Boulevard. <laughs> I look and I was like, what is, I was like, what is that? 
Like that's the club. Do you remember when the club was like the thing? Is that like late eighties, early nineties? Everybody had a club. It mm-hmm. it had first of all, the club had had two had two uses. It was it locked your steering wheel in case somebody broke into your car. It also you could beat the shit out of that yeah. right. trying to break <laughs> your gonna... car with the club. <laughs> I was, was I'm so glad you went it there because I didn't want to go there. I was like, it's, it was it, it was a weapon. Uses. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the makers of the club realized that it was a two use item, but it definitely became that that thing. When did why? When and why did the club stop being a thing? Well, because did you see how easy it is to <laughs> disable them? What? It's, it became like everyone knew how to get rid of them. You just cut the oh, steering wheel. Yeah, it was like, through, okay, that's you why. take a All saw right, and huh. you just cut the steering wheel. You know, I okay. probably shouldn't be saying this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you no, well, it. I get it. But I, I didn't realize that that was the reason. I just thought people just said, eh, it's not, you know, the, 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 the alarm systems are more sophisticated. You have GPS trackers. You have all these different things. Well, it's probably um, all that, that too, but everybody knew if you just take like a hacksaw and cut the steering wheel, it just pops right off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you just, so I think the guy walking down the street with the hacksaw in his pocket might be, might be somebody to keep an eye on. But I just remember everybody had Everyone a had a club. That the club must have been. I would be interested to see at the height of their, at the height of their popularity, what what you know what business kind of business they were doing because that was a big big thing. I mean, it was like the first time you saw it, you were like, "Oh my, that's in, that's genius." No one and can now, steal my car. Nobody now nobody now nobody uses it except this one guy that lives in in. What color was it? Was it traditional red or do you have one of the colors? No, it was. Uh, I. It wasn't red. It might have been just black. Huh. It might maybe it was a knockoff. I don't know. I remember I had like a turquoise one. I don't know. Maybe it was what's yeah. the knockoff called? The flub? Who knows? But it know. hit it. I'm sure there were I'm I sure there it. were plenty of knockoffs. <laughs> I don't know. On that note, Travis. This has been Good Calls with Dean Blandino. Please follow me on Twitter at Dean Blandino and Instagram at Dean.Blandino. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Rules Podcast and be sure to rate our podcast on the iHeartRadio app and on Apple Podcasts. Good Calls with Dean Blandino is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.